Hello and welcome to the Everyday Adventure Podcast. My name is Nikki Bass and I will be bringing you thoughts and ideas and hopefully some inspiration on how to build more adventure into your everyday life. Today, I am delighted to welcome Fran Taraskis to the podcast. Um, so Fran is the host of the Caesar Adventure podcast. And I first met Fran when um, she actually put a, a request for speakers to come on her podcast to have a chat about their experience or their knowledge of epilepsy and, and combined with an adventure. And it really highlighted how much I really didn't know about the condition. I think quite, probably quite, like, quite a lot of people, my experience has been quite limited maybe to, to a friend or a colleague. And I spoke to Fran, I thought, actually, this is something I need to consider much more. And, and just in thinking about how, I think for a lot of us, we take for granted how our access either to outdoors or whatever challenge we want to take on is, is really limited by our ability to take the first step. But when you have so many more things to think about and around how, you know, your own safety and your own, your own ability to manage in these spaces, I think that adds so many more layers of complexity to it. So it's a real thrill to actually be able to sort of return the favour and, and have Fran on this show. So Fran, welcome to the podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. Um, I suppose my re- first question really is, what inspired you to start the podcast, Seize Your Adventure? Where did the idea come from? So it, it's a little bit of a long story. I'll try and slim it down a little bit. It's basically when I decided to walk the Camino de Santiago in 2017. I was doing that just as something for myself. It's quite a lot of people do every year, going and walking. 500 mile route across Spain, this nice month away from work, month away from everything as a little bit of a career break. And you have a lot of people walking that route. But for some reason, my story when we were walking seemed to um, be a bit surprising to people because I was diagnosed with epilepsy in 2015. So a couple of years before I walked the Camino, I didn't really see that as being something special. By the time I walked the Camino, I was on medication and I hadn't had a seizure for two years. So I felt like I was perfectly safe and I just wanted to do something as a little bit of a almost celebration of being able to do something essentially but the people that I was walking with they were all very interested in the condition there were um, quite a lot of people that were surprised that I could do something like that by myself as well when I have um, a condition like epilepsy and really walking that route made me realize how little the condition is is known and how much is Um, assumed about people that have a condition like epilepsy so when I got back I started writing about my experience and I started um, doing blogs to kind of process what I had gone through the hike that I'd done and I started having other people with epilepsy contacting me saying that they either were doing stuff like that and they didn't think that anybody else with epilepsy was doing it so they were really excited Um, or that they had never considered they could do something like that so because I didn't think that my story was that interesting and I didn't want to keep telling it I decided to go out there and find other people's stories and it's I thought that it was so important to do that and to tell as many people's stories as possible because one of the things with epilepsy is that it is so different for everyone 
So my epilepsy story, the kind of seizures that I have will be very different for, to somebody else's epilepsy and seizures. So I thought it was really important to just try and, and share that in a way that um, is hopefully a bit more um, accessible because you're, you're talking about a condition, but you're talking mostly about the sports and the adventures and the journey. So it's kind of a nice, nice way into to showing the people behind the diagnosis, essentially. So that's so interesting. So actually, in a way, it wasn't even your own experience of epilepsy that prompted you, but actually the questions you're receiving from other people around that, that sort of understanding of actually most people don't really know that much about it. And maybe there are a lot of preconceptions out there or, I mean, is that something that you've come across frequently when, when you've been doing the adventures that you go on that people go, well, how can you be doing this? Or you're, you must be really brave to give this a go. There's the sort of, I'm just wondering what sort of comments you get. Yeah, I, I definitely think that there are two, two kind of groups that people fall into, particularly within the epilepsy, um, adventure community rather, within mm. the adventure community. You have some people that are either slightly concerned or slightly worried for me mm. or slightly worried um, of me that maybe they'll, they'll have to look after me and they don't quite know what to do if something were to happen. I definitely have had quite a lot of those conversations telling people what they would have to do if something would happen, reassuring them that it's probably not going to happen mm. and that kind of thing. Um, and I distinctly remember a couple of people on the Camino, there was one person who just had this absolute look of fear when I told them and basically kind of like mm. ran away from me. Um, but then I managed to speak to him and we ended up walking together for, for quite a few days after that. So mm. it, it mm. really got me realising that some people are um, quite concerned about the condition and being around someone with epilepsy but just talking about it just makes um, such a big difference and people mm. just need to know a little bit more for them to be much less afraid, essentially. Mm. And that, that is something that I've come across quite a lot. But then there are the, the other group of people within the adventure community who very much just go, oh, OK, cool. Anything I need to know? And that's it. I think, um, particularly in some sports, I think kind of like climbing and stuff like that, people are very laid back anyway they're very aware of things that could go wrong within the sport and they're very aware of um, risk assessments and stuff so for, for some people I think certainly and certainly for me um, epilepsy and the potential to have a seizure is just another form of risk assessment when you're yeah. when you're doing any sports so yeah there's definitely those those two groups for sure yeah, I'm, I'm sure that probably can, yeah, a lot of people can sort of relate to that, particularly if you take part in those sort of outdoor sports, that even if you're not leading them, often you're making those kinds of risk assessments in your own head about, mm. is this something that I'm comfortable with? Is it not? Is Are there enough safety structures in place or support structures in place if something does get, go wrong? And I suppose if you're living with it, maybe that's something you're doing as part of your day-to-day -day anyway. Mm. It's oh, just yeah. that when other people <laughs> encounter it, they're just like, oh my goodness, this is... This this is so much more than I have to think about um, their anxiety about well, what do I do I find really interesting uh, yes when you've yeah. already been through that process I suppose yeah definitely I mean you say that I think one of the things I always think back to when I was first diagnosed was um, going into London a day or two after one of my seizures and my mum just speaking to me on the phone going 
don't stand near the edge of the platform stay back from the edge of the platform like okay mum yeah got it (laughs) so you know it is risk assessments everywhere and you know everyone does it every day but with with something like epilepsy it's just another thing that you have to be aware of essentially Mm. So, so given that, I guess, what's the biggest challenges that you face when you've taken on, whether it's the Camino or the adventures you, you've done since? For me, because my seizures are controlled by my medication, mm. um, aside from making sure that I'm taking my medication at the right time every day, I can forget about my epilepsy to a certain extent. But there are a couple of things that logistically I find very difficult. So um, the the biggest thing is I don't drive. I never learned how to drive because I kept having seizures around Mm -hmm. the time that I would have been learning to drive, essentially. And even though I could drive now, I could learn to drive if I wanted to. It is definitely one of the things I still feel a bit anxious about. So I, I don't know if I'll ever learn now. Hopefully in the future, maybe I'll feel more confident to do it. But because of that, I can't just hop into a car to go out and do a run or a hike somewhere or go on a wild camp. I have to think about getting the train or getting the bus and that kind of thing, um, begging people for lifts quite a lot. So that that logistically is um, quite quite a big thing when I'm planning where I'm going. Um, and particularly when, when you factor in the second thing that I find most difficult, which is um, not having the money. I think if you, um, if you have access to the outdoors very nearby or you have something like a car that can get you there quite quickly, you, you don't necessarily think about it as much. But if I'm having to get on a, a train or a plane to go somewhere, it suddenly becomes much more expensive. I mean, I was looking at train ticket up to Scotland to go and do some hiking there after this is all over. And I was looking at a 300 pound ticket. So, you know, it kind of like those kind of things um, definitely add up. And I think um, that that's one of the things that I have found most difficult is, is that logistics of not being able to drive really. Mm, no that is interesting I know and I've spoken to friends who who don't drive for other reasons and I think Mm. it's some it becomes I guess it's where it's things that you sort of maybe take for granted or some of us take for granted that okay so if I wanted to go out I would just jump in my car and go and like you said actually just that logistics of if I can't do that but also I think your point about money is so important because I think that's something that's just not talked about enough it's like Mm. this assumption that actually the only barrier to getting out there and doing whatever it is your wildest dreams take you is you know is is your own determination and where is actually the logistical challenges and just that you know where do I get the money from to do this and Mm. I know for a lot of people it's actually where do I get the money and the time because (laughs) I've got to work as well Um, you have one or the other you have mm time to do something but you're not working as much so you don't have the money or you're working so hard that <laughs> you have, might have the money but no time to do absolutely it. how have you counted that do you do you look closer to home what are the things that you do to to get around those challenges yeah definitely over the past couple of years basically mm. since I got back from the Camino I did a couple of kind of like weekends away and stuff but I haven't managed to do any big holidays or big hiking trips and that mm. kind of thing so I started looking at doing things closer to home and that's actually how I started getting into trail running the the running on trails that are quite close by and um, I managed to find so many little hidden trails around the kind of like edges of suburbia where I live doing that gave me the the same kind of feeling of achievement that Mm -hmm. I would get from a whole day of hiking 
in an hour of running essentially so I can get much further out when I was training to do race of the stones last year so I decided to sign up and do this ultra marathon first race I've ever done in my life and I went for a hundred kilometers over a weekend um and, wow uh, I was having to find time to fit it in like you mm. say and I did quite a lot of leaving work and going for a run straight after work and I would be an hour out of work and I couldn't see where I'd started and that kind of thing and be in the middle of a um, forest or woodland even though I work in the center of a town so yeah definitely just looking much closer to home having a look at maps and seeing uh, the the routes that you might not see when you're from the road or something and also I do an awful lot of taking a path and if there's a, a fork in the road I just go do I go left or right and <laughs> that kind of thing so yeah I think there is a lot of adventure to be found close to home and that is something which um, at the moment obviously we're, we're all being forced to be close to home mm -hmm. it's really nice to see other people exploring that as well that's brilliant yeah that, I mean that so much I guess chimes with my initial ideas around sort of what everyday adventures look like and, and that yeah that analogy of just that, that fork in that road that road and just going well I went that way yesterday I'm gonna go this way today <laughs> let's see where it goes and what happens and, and it and you, is incredible how much you find I mean the, mm. the one time I did that and I just came across this massive field surrounded by houses and I was just going where did this come from there's, there's <laughs> I didn't nothing know this to say that this would be here <laughs> yes yeah. And actually, like you said, that actually you can get such a thrill from doing those things on your own doorstep, a similar thrill that you actually you get by by heading off into the distance. And, you know, not that big adventures aren't wonderful, but actually that it's if it's the feelings that you're after of that excitement, that exploration, actually, that that can be found on your doorstep, too. So, so given that, I suppose, what are the benefits that those sort of mini adventures or larger adventures bring and have brought to you I guess in the past what keeps you going it's so much I think part of it is just a, a sense of achievement like I said it's you know we're, we're all very busy doing our everyday lives and life admin and you achieve things at work and that kind of stuff but having that that physical sense of achievement at an end of the day I think that does definitely make me feel quite quite kind of like nice at the end of the day essentially um and for me in particular with the the epilepsy i think being able to reconnect to my body in a good way was uh, so fundamental to me and it's not something that i set out to do when i did the camino it's not something i set out to do when i chose to do a trail run but certainly that's that's one of the things that i I kind of got out of it one of the things that I look back and I assess where have I come from and where am I now and feeling like my body can get me across countries and hundreds of miles in a weekend and that kind of thing um it, it is really nice to be able to know that yes it feels like it left let me down at times but it's also done a lot for me and that that is such a nice feeling Wow, that, that's such a wonderful way to look at it. Yeah, almost, well, I guess partly it's reframing what your body's capable of, but also, like you said, that it's not something you ex necessarily expected to happen, but that actually that your relationship with your body changes as a result of seeing what it, what it can achieve rather than what, it, mm. what it's restricted from doing. 
And I would um, say on a, a slight tangent, but in a similar, similar vein, um, it really made me reassess seizures as well, because for my seizures, there's no specific trigger. We don't know what exactly caused them when they were happening. It could have been stress. It could have been anything. But in that, it essentially, your body's trying to protect you in a way. Your body has got to a stage where you're stressed out so much that it's given you a seizure mm. to essentially go, okay, stop, we can't do any more. And when you're doing things like long distance hiking, lots of running, any endurance challenge, your body kind of does similar things and being able to learn to listen to your body and listen to when it maybe needs a bit of a break and that kind of thing. Um, certainly learning how to do that through something that you enjoy is definitely a nicer way than if you're putting so much stress on your body that you end up having health issues. So that, that kind of, yeah, definitely helped me understand to look after myself. It gave me an excuse to look after myself as well. Yeah. And I guess that's so important as well, because so much, I guess, of the rhetoric out there as well is about when you, particularly when you're doing sort of endurance events, this idea that you're pushing through something or you've just, mm. you know, it's grit and determination and digging in and, you know, that you've just got to break through it. But actually in a way it's, it's almost the opposite of going, okay, I need to, I need to listen to what my body's telling me and that will enable it to do more. Mm, yeah, definitely. I guess on that basis, I mean, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people, you know, listening to this and thinking, either I would love to get out and try there and, and I'm not sure if I'm capable of doing these things or I don't even really know where to get started. And that may be people who either have epilepsy or who have other conditions or maybe who just don't you know, have a condition at all in, in, in that sort of sense, but are thinking actually that there's still a lot of barriers that they're facing. I mean, what advice would you give? Yeah, I, I think there's two things. I think that having... Having a goal to go out there is half of the battle. Um, one thing that I'm starting to realize when I, when I talk to people um, about the, the two big things, doing the Camino and doing Race to the Stones last year, I, I didn't know that those existed until right before I decided to do them, essentially. I did the Camino because I wanted to go and do a hike of some sort. And I typed in long hikes in long hikes in Europe, and obviously the Camino comes up quite high on that Google search. So I looked at it and went, "Okay, I want to do that." And I I then assessed where I was starting from, I assessed my fitness, what money I had available, what time I might have available, and then it was one step at a time from there. And it. It, that that's why I always say to people is to assess where you are starting from mm -hmm. and if you have a goal for where you went to be where you want to be then then you can plot the route um and you're, you're constantly going to be reassessing as mm -hmm. well because what you could do two years ago you might not be able to do or you might not have been able to do something two years ago and now actually you're much fitter or you're much healthier so yeah, con constantly reassessing and assessing where you're starting from. And if you've got a goal, then you, you can get there if you if you kind of keep putting one foot in front of the other. I love that you you went on and just Googled, okay, where, where's, where's a long walk? That's, that's awesome. And, I, and but in a way, you know, the goal is not necessarily, right, I'm going to do this event, but I want to mm. do this thing. I want to try doing a long walk or an ultramarathon yeah. and then finding something to fit, you know, whether it's your timetable or your lifestyle or the place you want to go and sort of working around that, mm, um, yeah. you know, finding in a way, finding a way to make that happen then. 
Oh, um, absolutely. And I think that a, a lot of people with health conditions or a lot of people, even, even with any mm-hmm. big life change. So if you're having kids and stuff like that, you learn how to adapt to it very quickly. And you can adapt to ventures in exactly the same way. I think if you are used to doing something one way, just think if there are any little tweaks that you can do to to like either ramp it up a bit or make it a bit a bit more chilled, depending on how you feel. Yeah, that that adaptability is is so key. And like you said, starting from where you are right now rather than where you used to be or you know, where you think you might be actually, where am I right now? What do I think I can do right now? And where would I like to get to? Um, that's so brilliant. Thank you so much, Fran. If people want to find out more about, obviously we've talked about your podcast, and but where can people find out more about you, learn more about your journey? So um, I'm fairly findable, actually. <laughs> um, so if you can spell my name, then just type me in and, and there's quite a lot that comes up now. Uh, but yeah, if you go to um, Seizure Adventure, there's quite a lot more information on there. So that's um, C-Y-O-U-R Adventure. Um, or you can find me on Instagram is probably the best place. And that's at Frantic Tea Walks. So you can find me there as well. Fantastic. And yeah, definitely check out the podcast because it is amazing. And I've learned so much from listening to it. So um, thanks so much, Fran, again. It's been an absolute pleasure having you and I hope to speak to you again soon. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. So I hope you enjoyed that episode with Fran. Um, And if like me, you had relatively little knowledge or experience around epilepsy prior to it, um, I hope that you've learned something from it too. What I found particularly interesting was her discussion around her body and how taking up adventure activities, going for hikes, going trail running, had actually allowed her relationship with her body to change. And instead of seeing what it couldn't do or what she was being limited by actually what it was able to do but also taking that one stage further this idea that actually her body was there is there protecting her um that in a way it enabled her to dial in and be more in tune with what her body was trying to say and I think for so many of us we often push past whether it's in taking part in adventure sports or activities or um, being outdoors or whether actually it's in our normal day-to-day lives you know we can feel the headache starting to come on we feel stressed with tired um but we push through it and often it's our bodies you know sometimes you know i know for me i'll sometimes i'll get a cold or these way of just saying stop enough um you can't do any more um so maybe there's a lesson there and certainly something that i'm going to take away is just again about thinking about when your body is trying to send you that information when it is trying to tell you that maybe you're pushing past your limits that it's a time to pause and reflect and um, save your energy and actually that that allows you to go further in the end. So as always, if you have any thoughts or comments, ideas, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to get in touch with me. I'm on Instagram at Resilience at Work. You can join our Facebook group, the Everyday Adventure Club. And otherwise, I look forward to seeing you next week for another adventure. Speak to you soon. Bye. (music) 